the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From Talk 910 KNEW San Francisco, this is Rob Black. Rob talks about your money every weekday, live and local, from 10 to noon. Enjoy the show. Live from the Bay Area, your money, your life. This is Rob Black. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, mixed in. I'll spruce up the show with elements. Why am I using the fancy word elements? Because my assistant program director, Corey, is micromanaging me yet again. So you're going to hear more elements. Um, but anyway, with that being said, we got a good show for you today. We're going to do one of our elements will be people working in our neighborhood. We're going to talk a little bit about the different jobs out there. For instance, well, not even for instance, we're going to talk a little bit about San Francisco and jobs inside of San Francisco, inside the Bay Area. We're also going to be taking a look at women. Women, there's a stereotype that women buy chocolate when they're stressed. Uh-uh. They buy a car when they're stressed. We'll talk about the the intelligence of that. I've got all sorts of financials to, uh, packed into this show today. Hiring women, good idea, bad idea. Especially from the UK perspective, they have a little bit different angle than we do here in the United States. I'll just put it this way. It's good to be a woman in the United Kingdom if you want to work in, well, the industry. So we'll talk about that. Talk about mortgage professionals. We'll talk about real estate. We'll talk about the economy. We'll talk about anything that's on your financial mind. How about the In-N-Out Burger coming to Redwood City? That's good news. More In-N-Out Burgers, good news. That's the bottom line on that story. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. We'll do a little bit of a bad boy honor roll as well today. What is the bad boy honor roll? Got to stick around to watch. March 10,000. Woo! Stock market is marching to 10,000. That's a stunning number. It's a, a psychological number. It's a number that people get excited about. Now, keep in mind, the Dow's way, 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 way off its all-time high. It's been well above 10,000 in the past. The reason I'm throwing it out there is because it's a psychological issue. People go, hmm, market looks cheap at 9,999. Hmm, market looks expensive at 10,001. It's a ridiculous thing. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is just 30 companies, and let's put it this way. I wouldn't want to own all 30 of them. I don't think it's that important of a metric. To me, a more important metric is the total stock market index. But again, because I'm being micromanaged, I'm not supposed to talk about business in the first segment. Allowed to in the second segment. Why am I not allowed to talk about it in the first segment? Because the Armstrong and Getty listeners are still here, and they're a big audience, and I don't want to turn them off. So let's, let's talk about something that will turn them on. The House Financial Services Committee beginning work today. For ultimately a top priority for Congress and the United States president, legislation to mend regulatory holes exposed by last fall's financial crisis. So we're getting in that health care issue out there. Now we're starting to fix the Wall Street issue out there. The committee is going to focus this week on bringing the $450 trillion market in over-the-counter derivatives under federal regulation and creation of an agency to protect consumers from risky financial products. A reform package could go to the floor next month. Committee has scheduled sessions next week to work on provisions on hedge funds, insurers, and brokerages. 
What do you need to know about that? What do you need to know? Hmm. Well, derivatives are very complex products. And ultimately, it's kind of a hodgepodge. Let's throw some mortgage debt in here, some good mortgage debt, some bad mortgage debt. What's good mortgage debt, bad mortgage debt? Well, maybe a bad mortgage debt would be a subprime loan, a loan that was made to someone who was below prime. They weren't a prime grade A, high-quality loan. Uh, Maybe they tried to overextend and buy a house they shouldn't have been able to. Maybe they're in an industry where there's not a lot of job safety, so they're subprime. Maybe they have bad credit. So derivatives were products that would basically package the bad credit, which, believe it or not, is a great product for Wall Street because it's super high-yielding. You know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten percent versus three, four, five, six percent. So we'd package the subprime and the prime, and we'd you know sell it off to a company, and they would get the guaranteed six percent returns, and they would package it off and sell it off to somebody else. So it's a mess. If you ever watched a little kid play soccer, there's a phrase out, out that you know, six year old kid, they all run towards the mall. All, all they all run towards the ball. They don't stick to their positions. It's kind of funny to watch. It's a mess out there. It's it's high calamity. So we do need to fix the derivatives. One thing that we do need to fix as well is I think the hedge fund should be regulated. I think the hedge fund industry affects the stock market, and there should be some oversight inside the hedge fund industry. I can come up with a hedge fund right now. We'll call it, let's say I open it up with my five brothers, my four brothers. There's five of us. We'll call it black, 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 black hedge fund. So the black, 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 black hedge fund I can start it up and I can say, okay, listeners, I've got this new hedge fund out here and you trust me. I'm a smart guy, right? And I'm working with a Stanford professor, economics professor, and we've come up with this formula that's going to get 10, 15% returns when the market's up only 3 to 4%. We're going to take two to three times the risk of the stock market. Well, now you understand why hedge funds should be regulated because they're taking extra risk. They're typically quant run. So they're based on a lot of numbers. You have to be a qualified investor to get into a hedge fund. What's a qualified investor? Basically, have a million dollars liquid. Now, those rules have been broken and bent. It's an industry that needs some regulation. Your stockbroker is regulated. Your insurance broker has some regulation. Um, investment advisors have rec, uh, have you know oversight committees on top of the SEC and NASD, SEC Securities and Exchange Commission, NASD, National Association of Security Dealers. So our Congress is saying we need a little bit more reform in insurance companies, and I think that's great. I think 95% of all annuities are crap products. I heard a story the other day that a 90-year-old woman was sold an annuity by an insurance salesperson. That should be criminal. That should get some regulation. An annuity for someone who's young and wealthy, it could make a little bit of sense. If they've maxed out their 401k for a 60 year old retiree, it makes no sense whatsoever, makes no sense whatsoever. So annuities in the insurance industry do need to be regulated by Congress or somebody. I know you typically won't hear me say that. I tend to like less government, but a lot of people, especially senior citizens, are getting hurt by the insurance industry. A lot of people, hedge funds, they're hurting the average person because they're, they're spiking up the level of risk. They're playing with the market. When Jim Cramer was a hedge fund manager, and shame on him for this story, he would call CNBC and lie to them. He would spread rumors just to make his stock that he wanted to go up or down, go up or down. So it is an industry that needs to be changed. Brokerage industry needs to be changed. I think the real estate industry needs to be regulated, to be quite honest with you. I see way too many unqualified real estate agents and way too many unqualified home loan agents. What's your thought on this? Do we need more regulation? 800-345-5639. It's 800 345 
5639. Let's talk about the state of California. In the LA Times this morning, we appear to be poised to be the first state to ban power guzzling cars. No, no, no. Power guzzling utilities in the house? Kinda. Power guzzling televisions. I reported it on this story a couple of weeks ago, but here it is. Came to fruition. LA Times today is reporting that an influential lobby group, the Consumers Electronics Association, is fighting what appears to be a losing battle to dissuade California regulators from passing the nation's first ban on energy-hungry big-screen televisions. Now, America's the land of the free, and I'm entitled to my gun, my free speech, and my power-guzzling television. But not in California. I don't know. Californians, we just... We lead the nation for better. I know, I know, but shouldn't it be up to us to decide if we want a power guzzling TV? I don't know. What's it going to be next? That we're going to ban fast foods? When are we going to ban booze? Prohibition's coming back. It ended for a reason. So on Tuesday, executives, and again, do you think I'm going to sneak a, a big power guzzling t- TV over the state lines? You betcha. So on Tuesday, and I don't even know what a power-guzzling TV looks like, just so you know, I have no clue. I don't have a diesel-powered flat screen yet, but if I could get one, I probably would. On Tuesday, executives and consultants for the trade group, the Electronics uh, Consumer Electronics Association, they asked members of the California Energy Commission to instead let consumers use their wallets to decide whether they want to buy the most energy-saving models of liquid crystal display and high plasma, uh, plasma high-definition TVs. Quote, voluntary efforts are succeeding without regulation, so says the Consumer Electronics Association president. Too much government interference could hamstring industry innovation and prove expensive to manufacturers and consumers. But these pleas didn't appear to elicit much support from commissioners at the public hearing on the proposed rules that would set maximum energy consumption standards for televisions to be phased in over the next two years, beginning January 11. So a vote's going to come up on November 4. Now, there's a good question. The innovation could get stifled. What if I want my television to do wireless? If I want it to hook up directly... You know how your TiVo can wirelessly hook up to your home network and update programs and uh, change things for you? What if I want my TV to be my server? What if I want my TV to be wireless and my server and I want my TV to be a hard drive? Well, California is kind of dissuading innovation because it would be a more power-hungry product. So hopefully this doesn't get passed. But what's your thoughts on this? Do we need more regulation on hedge funds and insurance companies? Do we need... The state of California to tell us what is an energy-efficient model of television, power-guzzling television is not good. You get your calls on there. It's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. And a little bit on Wall Street now. Morgan Stanley. J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan. Oh, good golly. you got to have like a report card to remember the names of these companies now because J.P. Morgan bought Chase. So that's now called J.P. Morgan Chase. It's lit- ridiculous, right? They reported earnings of $0.82 cents a share this morning. $0.30 cents better than expected. They blew out numbers. Credit costs remain high. They've added $2 billion to consumer credit reserves, bringing the firm-wide total to $31.5 billion. Their loan-loss coverage ratio of 5.3% uh, was higher. Their net income of $3.6 billion in the quarter reflected the strong earnings power with broad-based growth across the investment bank, asset management, commercial banking, and retail banking. Now, again, I've said this since it began to happen. This whole financial crisis, it's going to be good for shareholders of people who want to buy companies. Banks. Banks are an important part of our economic system, and we're going to have to have some. J.P. Morgan Chase, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Citigroup. Those are the big five. 
Each and every one of them will be okay five years from now. Where will they be five weeks from now? I don't know. But can you own each and every one of those companies? Yes. The riskiest is Citigroup. The safest is probably Goldman Sachs, in my opinion. Would I buy uh, Goldman Sachs today? I would not. Would I buy Citigroup today? I would. Would I buy Bank of America and Wells Fargo today? Yes. The Goldman Sachs has had a glorious run, as has J.P. Morgan Chase, more than double since the March crisis. 800-345-5639. Let's go to Ken in Concord. Ken? Hey, Rob. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Hey, I have a comment and a question for you. Give me the comment first. Sure. Um, why would you make a statement that the real estate industry isn't regulated enough in California when it is regulated? I mean, for the uninformed listener, it would they would think, or the, especially with people going through a housing crisis now, that that industry is not regulated when it is regulated and licensed. And going in, my question is, if you're saying that the real estate industry needs to be regulated more, which is you know, a pretty common thing in California to want to try to buy a house and to be informed about it, sure. and but into like uh, energy guzzling TVs, and you're, you're, what I got from your comment was that we shouldn't be telling people which type of TVs they should buy. So like, you know, I'm seeing that you're drawing lines there. I don't know where they start and stop. With different industries and different subjects. First and foremost, I don't. I don't think anyone on this planet thinks the real estate industry has enough regulation or oversight in the state of California. Anyone with a pulse could become a real estate agent. And let's face it, it's probably the biggest financial transaction people will get into in their lifetime. And a lot of bad advice is given by the agents, and a lot of bad advice is given by the lending companies. And there's a lot of working together in the past where it wasn't always in the best interest of the consumer. Do you disagree? What, what kind of well, here's the thing. I, I hear what you're saying, but what type of regulation would make it safer or more educational for the buyer or smarter for the buyer that you would come up with? I mean, it's simple. You know, it's how about how about start with man, how about start with mandatory college degrees? How about start with penalties against real estate agents who put together bad deals okay, that are per, are more than perceived bad deals that are legitimate bad deals? How about prison time? How about prison time when the real estate agent? calls the appraiser and says, I need the number to come in at this number. Well, you know what? That's, I agree with that. And that doesn't, I, I've never known that to happen myself. I've known it to happen hundreds of times. I get the emails. Maybe you I'm don't. I'm myself. You know, I do. I, I see, I've seen it before, but not to the extent where we need to regulate it, I think. By the way, to be a broker, you either have to be in good standing for as a real estate agent for um, three to five years or have a college degree. That regulation is already there. Yeah, the broker side of it is, is, is kind yeah, of... It's in charge of the agent. Right. And in charge of the lenders. And the lenders have have no oversight. And the brokers, quite honestly, they're incentivized to have as many lenders as possible to to run as many deals through them. You're right. And the lenders are all, you know, PhDs and masters in business. No, they're not. No, they're not. The lending companies? No. The Wells Fargo's, the wholesale lenders? The the agents, the lending agents, you think they have PhDs? Not the agents, not the agents. I'm talking about where the agents get. Who's the the one doing the deals? Well, both of them are because they because because the, the lender is the one underwriting the product. They right. will not accept the deal if it's underwritten correctly. Okay, we I just massively disagree with you. Well, I think you know you have a good point, but the way by the way you word it is, I think it's misleading. I think the continuing education standards are incredible. To be quite honestly, they're crap. It's way too easy to be an agent. It's way too easy. So on the lending side as well as on the real estate side. Well, you know, it is easy to be a late agent five years ago. Okay, nowadays it's not. I disagree. I, I I know a guy who runs a real estate school, and 
the, the amount of quality leads that come into his school are, are, are slim to none. Quality leads? As far as uh, people becoming real estate agents. A lot of people want to become real estate agents because they don't have a college degree. And ultimately, it's a fast way or an easy way to get into a six-figure job, especially in the state of California. Well, you know, and I, I hear what you're saying. But I, don't, I don't think that's – I myself have, have college. But I, I don't see why a person who doesn't have a college degree can't have that opportunity. Okay, we just disagree. So thanks for the call. Feel free to call at any time you want, anytime you want. At 15 past the hour, I got to get a break. It's 18 past the hour, so I'm not cutting you off because I disagree with you. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. We'll get to Eric and Santa Rosa next. Got more content for you. Got a special surprise guest later in the show. 800-345-5639. Plus, we're going to have Elements. Coming up, Elements. Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial. And again, we don't have to agree or disagree. I'm fine with that. It's really not the point to brown nose me in any way, shape, or form. Let's get a Dave in the car. Dave? Dave. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, I'm, I was heavily involved in the mortgage business for a long time, both on the wholesale side and on the retail side. And the fraud in that business and the regulation that needs to be applied to that business is extensive. Now, give me an example of something you're talking about. Give me a little bit more specific. Your, well, your example, you already brought it up, about uh, a broker calling an, uh, an appraisal company or an appraiser and saying, I need the value to come in at this value to make my deal work. Now, um, that's slightly been addressed because now appraisers can't be chosen. They're selected by outside uh, firms for the loans. That's true. That's true. I'm just talking about the history of where we've, we've come up to. Right. Um, they are addressing some of the issues. And, and back when I was in the business, I would say 80% of the people that I dealt with, I would never want to do business with again or talk to about a loan. Um, it was just it, what you saw in the business and what you brought up earlier about the history of the business is exactly right on the money. Okay, and There's that's... A lot, of, a lot of uneducated people. It's very easy. It was at one time very easy to get into. Uh, the whole broker world is actually kind of funny because if you read the broker's test and you take the broker's test, the broker's test is more about real estate transactions. It's not about the lending, lending market. You need a broker's license in order to run a, a certain type of shop, but, but the broker's test is actually written for real estate, but not written for loans. Now, I think they need a whole other separate world for the lending, or a separate test for the lending world that you have to take and, and, and go and get some education and some training on. Because uh, the people, I, most of the people I dealt with as the market started to deteriorate were high school dropouts, didn't understand the markets, didn't understand even what a negam or an adjustable rate loan was, but they'd be selling it to their clients. Um, and I, I learned that because I was in that side of the business and I switched over to the wholesale, wholesale side of the business and I represented a major, major bank and a very well-run bank uh, for quite a period of time. And I was quite successful in what I did, but as the market turned over, I was actually in that subprime world as a wholesale account executive. And, uh, and it made it, it, 
I happened to work for a bank that did things the right way, I felt, but I saw a lot of loans that I would go into a broker's office. I'd look at the loan and say, no, I, this is not a loan that's going to work. And two days later, I'd come back to visit the client, and that loan was placed with another bank. And I'm like, how did they get that done? Because the only way they could do it was by cooking the books. Thanks very much for the call, Dave. First segment of the show... From the 10 to 10.15, I talked about how the insurance industry and the real estate industry and the high-end financial industry, the hedge fund world, it needs some regulation. And I hate regulation, uh, but it's dealing with people's lives. And the call kind of challenged me when I said that I think the state of California, by saying that we can't buy high-end energy-guzzling televisions, I'd kind of like them to stay out of our business there. And he thought I was in contradiction of myself. I think one is a product that we buy. And we consume in our home. And another is sold to people. And a lot of times it's sold with very misleading information. Let's go to Karen in Kentfield. Karen? Yeah, hi, Rob. Hi. Hi. Um, I have a question. Your view on uh, the uh, health reads, HCP or HCN. I am thinking about replacing my uh, intermediate-term bonds with that because I worry about... Uh, interest rates might go up. Would that be a good move? couple questions. Um, which one do you want me to look at? I could look at one of them for you. Um, HCN. HCN. Okay. Um, you're in an intermediate bonds. Are you in an intermediate bond fund? Yes. Okay. I tend not to like bond funds, Karen. They're just something that I wish would go away. In large part, I wish bond funds would be replaced with bonds. Yeah. Um, there's a lot less risk in a bond itself than in a bond fund. Now, again, that's kind of Weird that I say that. Let me explain that. A bond fund has price fluctuations based on supply and demand. A bond fund has price fluctuations based on people panicking and right. wanting their cash or people rushing in right. and saying, uh, you know, we need the safety. Whereas a bond, you can buy a good general obligation California bond at this point in right. time, get 5.3%, yeah. 5.4. I'd prefer you do that. Okay. As far as the healthcare REITs, this is a whole different investment. Yeah. So you're jumping from literally... Um, a pretty safe investment in a bond fund to something that is a lot more risk. Um, healthcare REIT, ticker symbol HCN, um, and thanks for the call, um, yields about 6.2%. And all you have to do is take a look at the chart of the company to see that your principal is going to be a lot more volatile. I think 6.2 is a, a number that feels a little bit high to me, um, especially since a lot of a REIT, okay, HCN, it's a healthcare REIT. What does that mean? Let me explain this. A REIT is a real estate investment trust. Now, you know what a trust is. It's something that wealthy people put assets into to protect in a tax-efficient manner. Um, that's the basic idea of it. You know, the Hiltons had millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. They set up a, a trust for Paris Hilton, and basically it, it has some guidelines to it to make sure that she doesn't run out of the money or mismanage the money or you know, go out and get coked up every day and um, ultimately embarrass the family. So the healthcare REIT, this one's ticker symbol is HCN. It invests in senior living and healthcare facilities, skilled nursing homes, assistant living facilities. You get the idea. They've got 630 properties. There is risk in REITs. There's no doubt that there's risk in REITs tied towards a lot of these nursing homes went up say in 2006, 2007, 2008, and they were financed in real estate at very high prices. So that's why the stock itself has gone from 50 bucks down to about 25 bucks, back to about the $45 range. Um, I have no problem with this being part of your, of your portfolio for income. I don't want it to be the only part. 
um, of income. Like, for instance, what have Obama says, you know, uh, in the new health care plan, we're going to shut down all senior living facilities and people are going to have to live with their families. Super hypothetical. Yes. But could it happen? It could. So you would be putting too many eggs in one basket for your income needs. I have no problem with HCN. No problem whatsoever. But again, it's a long term hold. And it has to be part of a diversified income portfolio. You get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. Let's quickly squeeze in Eric in Santa Rosa. Eric? Yes, sir. Thank you for taking my call. What's up? Um, uh, Listening to your last callers, I had one brief comment, and then I had a, a real big question. Comment is, I've been in the securities industry for almost 20 years now. My ex-wife was the underwriting manager for one of the country's largest uh, mortgage companies. And we were constantly amazed at the difference in regulation between me as an uh, an individual broker and her entire staff. Um, The difference, I think, lies in the fact that I am referred to as a broker, and most of the folks originating loans were agents, not brokers. So the the level of legislation on them was significantly lower than me in doing my business. Now, having said that, my question is, in the mortgage industry, anything, my experience has been anything under a 20% down payment, especially with the FHA, you were required to have mortgage insurance. Right. Okay, well, during this mortgage meltdown, most of the original mortgages that did melt down were these zero-down mortgages and low-down mortgages. Why are the banks all uh, crying wolf when they got repaid? They didn't get repaid. Most of the PMI companies went down. They're still, I mean, they're still... PM, I mean, there's still mortgage companies around, or, uh, mortgage insurance companies. Have you seen the shares of the companies? They've gone from ninety bucks a share to a dollar a share because they're insolvent. But they, but they, they're did. not. They're not paying off the insurance. They're not paying off on the policies. Absolutely not. Not on a hundred percent of them. Okay, because I haven't had anybody that could answer that question for me. Even the attorney general's office wouldn't answer it. So. Well, I'll talk about what you're bringing up, and thanks for the call. People are walking away from their severely depreciated homes. You know that, and I know that. Leaves banks scrambling to make up the shortfall between the remaining mortgages as far as the balance and the current home value. Private mortgage insurance didn't soften the blow. It is not supposed to make the lender whole. It is not supposed to make the lender whole if the home buyer walks away and stops paying. So you're no longer obligated to pay it after you have the 20% equity in the home. Now, the subprime and the, the arms really messed it up for the PMI. A way to get out of paying PMI was to do what was called an 80-20 loan. Now, what that meant was a first loan and a second loan. PMI doesn't typically kick in until the bank has recouped what it can after foreclosure and subsequent sales of said property. And any financial money reimbursement does not help the glut of homes on the market. And again, that's one of the big problems that we have right now. So I'll talk a little bit more about PMI and and what went wrong and why it went wrong. But um, the companies that offer PMI, many of them have been left for dead. Um, As far as publicly traded, as far as balance sheets go, kind of dead man walking. 
800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. I'll also talk a little bit about foreclosures in the Bay Area. Stick with me. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. 800-345-5639. More stimulating talk. You know, I told you the uh, Dow 10,000 were playing with it today. Someone just dropped me an email and uh, said, woo, good news, Dow 10,000. <laughs> it's kind of funny. People are psychologically, I don't want to say stupid, but stupid. It's just a number. I remember Cron wanted me to uh, basically drop everything I was doing and do a big Dow 12,000 story, Dow 13,000 story, Dow 14,000 story. And I, I hate it because it's just a number. It's not relative to getting you to retirement. It's out of context. Who owns these big, large industrial companies? It's a reflection of psychology. In the short term, over the long term, it works. But over the short term, the market's pretty damn inefficient. So Dow strikes 10,000. Strong earnings lift stocks. Intel and Johnson & Johnson doing good things. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. Let's go to Jamie and San Rafael. Jamie? Hey, Rob. How's it going? It's going pretty well. It's good to hear from you. Yeah. I haven't talked to you in a long time. Hey, so I'm a real estate broker and a real estate attorney in Marin, so take that with whatever biases come with me. You know, I agree with your earlier caller about loan agents needing to take a different test because right now the way California law works is Every real estate agent who sells you a house and every loan agent who sells you a loan takes the same test. And that test is mostly about real estate sales. It's not really even about real estate law or loans. There's very little about that. And the way I see it is we have a huge sort of empty hole there where the loan agents, they just kind of get their license and they go, oh, I think I'll do loans. And then they go get training from a broker who may or may not be a very good trainer and may or may not some of the subtleties of the loan packages that they're selling. Of course, all this could also be moot because many of these loan agents are going out of business right and left because of the lending crisis that we're in. But I do agree that we need to have something more specific. So my, my, I would not advocate for more regulation because I'm like you. I think regulation is not always the answer. But I do think we need to have better regulation. What we have in place is a very low bar to, you know, to entry. I mean, just anybody can go take this test and get a license, and anybody can go stick it under some broker's license, and then, you know, they're technically in business. And then from then on, nobody really pays much attention to what they do unless there's a problem. So I, I just think that we need a, a lot stronger uh, regulatory force rather than more regulation. Okay. I, I would call for more education as well as part of the process. In large part, it's not easy to understand the ramifications of a 30-year mortgage versus a five-year mortgage for the lender on top of giving that kind of quick education to consumers because when they do the loan, it's just about the transaction. I remember there was loan agents that I was talking to that were like, I'll do million-dollar transactions. I won't do $300,000 transaction because the million I'm going to make more money on. And quite honestly, I don't have time to do both. Um, so th- there was just ramifications that eh, unintended consequences, I would, I would refer to it as of the way the situation played out. And there's just not enough education in the real estate market. I think that's true. I mean, my experience having dealt with real estate agents, loan agents is that most of them don't even really understand what they're doing 
most of them are just salespeople that are doing something else as well. So, for example, a real estate agent is out there selling a house or a commercial property, but they don't know the first thing about that contract that they are, you know, basically giving advice about. It is legal advice. There's no question about it. It's just that the real estate lobby is so strong that they've, you know, they've, the state of California allows people who are non-lawyers to be out there giving legal advice. Same thing on the loan side. You know, they're, they're selling a loan package and they're saying, well, this is what your payments are going to be, but they don't really tell them, well, you know, they're not really educated about how to give financial advice, which is really kind of what they're doing. And what you're saying is there are financial ramifications to these loan packages and you should know what they are. But I don't think that most loan agents or the real estate agents really understand that. I think it's kind of a weird, weird profession where, you, where you've married sales with something a, a lot more serious and people don't view it that way. They just view it as a sales job and it, it really is more than that. And at the same time, I'll bash the insurance industry because a lot of insurance agents, they're supposed to insure against a worst-case scenario, and they're out giving financial advice to people and selling them financial products. So I think a lot of the, the products that consumers are sold need to be um, reimagined is the way I'll say it, Jamie. Yeah, I agree with you about the insurance industry, um, and, and I've seen that. I've actually had a couple of clients call me about insurance agents who were trying to sell them you know, some of these annuities and things like that. And, and not only do the insurance agents not understand what they're selling, but the clients don't understand what they're selling. And when you start looking at it really closely, these are some pretty risky things that they're selling these people in some instances. And, you know, it can be a real problem. There's definitely not enough sort of specific regulation and definitely not enough education of the people in the profession or even the public about what this stuff is and, you know, how, how it can really affect their lives, what the risks are are um, that they're signing up for when they sign up for these types of things. So I think this is a great topic. I love it. I love that you're talking about hedge funds, too. This is, this is great because it's all just one big, big party, um, and I like that you're dealing with it all at the same time. Jamie, you need a plug for your business, or are you doing okay? I'm doing okay, but, yeah, no, um, I do mostly real estate law in Marin County, so there's my plug. Okay, how can people find you? They can find me at jlmrealestate.com, or they can call my phone, which is really easy, 272-2772. It's twos on the outside, sevens in the middle. Sounds good. Thanks for calling, Jamie. Thanks, Rob. You're welcome back anytime you want, Jamie. I could always use intelligent calls. 800-345-5639, especially intelligent calls that agree with me. Makes things nicer. 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking anything financial. We could t- change this topic. I think um, fleshing it out and fleshing it and, and seeing what what's on it and what's not, the hair that's so to speak, I think we all kind of agree that there's a lot of foolish people giving investment advice, foolish people selling real estate, foolish people messing up our lives with insurance that we don't need. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. show 800-345-5639 it's 800-345-5639 again boss says put in more elements i'll put in more elements let's play the element i got mail yay i got mail yay 
See, boss man, I, I listen. 800-345-5639. If you want to drop me an email, it's rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Yes, management does overmanage me. They do micromanage me, and it is ridiculous. Anyway, uh, email came in and says, shouldn't I wait for my investments to recover before I sell them? Good question. Let's come up with the answer for that one together. Um, I can see where a lot of people are coming from when they say, let's wait for it to recover. But the answer is no. You shouldn't wait. You see, it's not just your investments that are down in value from their all-time high. It's true of every investment category. So moving your investments is a sideways move, not necessarily a bad move. Think about it. Let's say you're selling something low, but you're also buying something low. This is a very different scenario than if you were just getting out of the markets entirely. You're simply moving from your current portfolio to a new portfolio. And if that new portfolio is lower in risk, lower in cost, and set up for a higher potential return, why on earth would you wait? Although your current investments might recover in value, it's equally possible that the recovery might take much longer than the new investments you're planning to move into. So don't say, I'm going to wait for it to recover. One of the very last callers on my CNET radio show eight years ago, roughly, was a woman who had bought Excite at home. And the stock had gone from 60 to 6. And she said, I'm just going to wait for it to go back to 60 before I sell it. And I was like, are you retarded? Are you the dumbest person on the planet? If you're going to wait for a stock to go from 6 to 60, you should sell your house. You should cut off your arm and sell it on eBay. You should sell your car. You should sell your children. You should put everything you can into that investment. Because stocks don't typically go from 6 to 60. People just don't get it at times. Anyhow, let's talk a little bit about, uh, I guess what would I would be referring to as the topic of the day, regulation in the insurance industry, regulation in the financial industry, regulation in the real estate market. I actually had to bring a friend out from the East Coast to work in the real estate market because I was so tired when I got here in the California Bay Area roughly in 2001 that all people were doing, all they were doing was cherry-picking loans. They were giving bad advice. Then they'd go to Hawaii and smoke dope for a month and then come back and do a transaction or two and go back to Hawaii and smoke dope and come back and do a transaction or two and then go back to Hawaii and smoke dope. Nothing wrong with smoking dope, but I don't want my uh, people you know, making big financial decisions in my life to be that mm, non-committed to their career. I want people to show some, 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 some drive. Now, I'm not just busting on real estate. I'm busting on my own industry, the, the financial industry. The stockbrokers in my industry, they were out of control in the 90s and 2000s. The kickbacks just to jump from one firm to the next firm. Whoa, you got signing bonuses just for bringing all your clients over. The situations where a mutual fund would pay for round-trip vacations to Mexico. Or they would do a conference in Mexico where you're allowed to bring your wife. You'd go to one stinking meeting, and then you'd basically vacation on that, that mutual fund for the next seven days. It was out of control. Now, here's an example of today. It's still out of control. CalPERS, that's the nation's largest public pension fund. It's launching a special review of fees paid by some of its money managers to an investment advisory firm run by a former CalPERS board member. Now, the review is sparked by the recent receipt of information provided to CalPERS by investment funds that reported their payments of over $50 million in fees over a five-year period to Arvco Financial Ventures, which was a placement agent company headed by former CalPERS board member Al Villalobos. $200 billion California fund said um, they don't like this anymore. They don't like the fact that you know a guy's getting a kickback for putting you in a certain fund in the CalPERS side of the world. 
Some of Calper's poorly performing investments were recommended to the pension fund by Arvco. Calper's probe into its own investment process makes a new turn now amidst an increasing focus this year on so-called pay-to-play concerns. Now, these probes are going from New York to New Mexico. General concern amongst regulators and funds is that the choices about who should invest public employees' retirement money is influenced by factors like money in politics versus investment managers' merits. It happens all too often. For instance, and I'll, I'll knock this, and I hate this, Fidelity. They've got a platform. It's a great platform, and a lot of advisors use it. And ultimately, if you do a lot of business with Fidelity, they'll steer more business your way. And again, it could be Charles Manson, the financial advisor. It could be Rob Black, the financial advisor. And whoever does more business, Fidelity is going to send more leads to. That's crap. There's no, it's not based on merits. It's based on volume. I could, I could go on with this stuff if you want me to. There's so many flaws in the system that just absolutely have to be fixed. Kickbacks are just, they're out of control in the financial industry. Now I'll say this, they're a lot less out of control now than they were 10 years ago, but they're still out of control in my mind. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Intel, J.P. Morgan Chase. They eclipsed earnings expectations, and the Dow's flirting with 10000 a day. Consumer credit reserves of about $2 billion. J.P. Morgan boosted their credit reserves. Ultimately, that's not yet certain. That It's, it's certainly not a sign that you know, stability in the consumer market is going to continue. But Wall Street, Wall Street dug the results. Um, other Dow components have been accompanied to the better than expected results. CSX Corporation, Abbott Labs, WW Granger, S&P 500 opened big today. Can the market, which is set to run to new recovery highs today, maintain this bullish stance without, interp- without interruption? Or will the initial uplift be created with a, a sell the news? A lot of people see 10,000 as, ooh, I'm excited. A lot of people see 10,000 as, let's ring the cash register. Wall Street always plays with big numbers, and, and when you finally get through it and you settle on it, uh, it, it's old news, but they play with it. September retail sales fell a less than expected 1.5%. Consensus expectations was down 2.1%. That decline has a huge asterisk in it. In large part, the result of some payback adjustment for the cash for clunkers surge in August. So otherwise, they would have, you know, August up 2.2%. So the retail numbers this morning were relatively good news, even though they're down 1.5% year over year. Core retail sales, which exclude autos, which exclude gasoline sales, because gas companies... Uh, when you go fill up your tank, that's part of retail sales. And core retail excludes autos, gas, and building materials. Up one half of 1%. That's noteworthy. That was actually a pretty good number today. So it ain't all bad out there. Calls in there. It's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Next hour, I'll reset. We'll go in a different direction. For instance, I'm going to bring in one of my coworkers. Chance for you to get you know more about me and my world. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.